Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Hey, good morning, church. How is everybody? You're awesome. Come on. All right. Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. It is good to be in the house this morning, I tell you. All right, Benny, where is it, man? Oh, look at that. And it's moving too. That's even better. That's great. Hey, guys, why don't we pray? Father, I thank you this morning that you're coming to meet your people. God, I pray this morning for an encounter and a connection with the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, I pray that as I speak, it will not be my word, but your word touching your people this morning. Father, I pray for open hearts to receive the word this morning, that it would be made alive, a living rhema word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. Well, Well, the title of my message this morning is Having Capacity for the Cause. You know, and I'm excited to bring it because I feel like God's really placed this message on my heart for the specific season that we're in right now as a church. And so right from the beginning, I want to clear away any misconception and I guess lay a foundation for my message by just saying that you and I, as a people of God, have been called, we have a mandate that's been placed on us by Christ himself to be his hands and his feet. You know, we've been called to be a divine light, a voice of authority and a voice of of hope into something that is much bigger and much greater than us individually, and that is our cause. And I don't know how many of you remember Hillsong a couple of years ago brought out that worship song, I'm Living for That Cause, you know. I'm living for the cause, lay down my life into your hands. I'm living for the truth, hope of the world in you, I stand. Anyway, I know the song, so that's good. That's cool. So I guess what I want to say is, well, what exactly is the cause? Well, I want to throw some pretty concerning stats on the table for you this morning, just to get you thinking about our cause. So here we go. One million people in Australia currently... 1 million suffer from depression, and 2.3 million suffer from anxiety. In any year, 10,000 young Australians live with depression. Depression will be second only to heart disease as the leading medical cause of death and disability within 20 years. In Australia, every third marriage ends in divorce. About 30% of Australians will never marry. And during the past two decades, there is a growing trend showing that Australians are starting to marry less and divorce more. Every day, this is phenomenal, every day at least six Australians die from suicide and a further 30 people will attempt to take their own life. Australians are more likely to die by suicide than skin cancer, yet we know comparatively little about the process that leads to suicide and how and when effectively to intervene. And on a broader scale, according to Marilyn Maguire, who's the president of the New Age Publishers and Retailers Alliance in the States, she says there are currently some 2,500 occult bookstores in the USA alone and over 3,000 publishers of occult and New Age books and journals and magazines. Back in 1993, an article in the San Francisco Chronicle reported sales of New Age-related products to be way over $1 billion dollars. Today, that figure has exponentially grown to represent one of the leading market sectors in alternative health and development. At least 20.9 million adults and children are bought and sold worldwide into commercial sexual servitude. About 2 million children are exploited every year in the global commercial sex trade. And I thought this was crazy. Closer to home, 
as of 2013, there has shown a significant increase in the use and abuse of non-medical over-the-counter medicines amongst Australian high school seniors. Over 15% of these high school seniors reported abusing or overdosing on Adderall, which is a drug commonly used to treat ADHD. And so church, my point is this, that you and I, as a body of Christ, have been called to stand in a gap and fight for a cause that is very real and very prevalent in our society today. It's a cause that is unfortunately taking the lives of our young ones and deceiving our older. And whether or not the world wants to acknowledge it, there is only one hope. There's only one answer and there's only one way. And so my question this morning to you guys is what is the world going to experience when it walks through the doors of our churches? Who's it meeting? Who's it going to encounter? So we've got to understand as well that this cause is not going to settle anymore for complacency. Yeah? This cause doesn't need another maybe wishy-washy, you know, next best thing solution because people have gone before us and organizations have gone before the church and promised answers and given glimpses into you know, eternal life and earthly success, but all have fallen short. What this world needs is an encounter with Jesus. Yeah? Here's the way, here's the truth, here's the life, and we need to eradicate the room for maybe in the life of people, and that the Spirit of God would come in and shout, man, I am the answer, I am the hope, I am the way that you're going to turn your life around, because you better start understanding that if Jesus walks into your life and sets you free, then you, my friend, are free indeed, yeah? All right. So... What I want to say, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You see, the cause for which you and I exist as a body of Christ will demand that our capacity is bigger than our actual ability, because our ability will only carry us as far as our limitations are prepared to take us, yeah? And sometimes you're going to find people are going to walk into churches with things on their life, they're living under situations and circumstances, they're going to take more than our ability or ingenuity to change. But the beautiful thing is about capacity is that it will always take you beyond your ability so that you start operating, as Christian was saying this morning, in that realm of exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think because it's in that place that as a church we're going to see people set free, yeah? And so when God looks upon us, he's not so much interested in what you can do or your education level or your skill set or your eloquence or speech or your charm as an entity in themselves, but he's a lot more interested in, man, what can I do in and through you? Because I want you to understand this morning, it's not so much about how hard we are prepared to fight for the cause that's set before us, but how hard, in fact, we're actually prepared to surrender into God's arms, into his ability and his strength as he goes before us with a cause set before us, yeah? And so capacity then is the level at which you and I can carry the Spirit of God in us and on us. Yeah? And the more that we rely on God and the more we carry God, the ratio shifts between it being about us to being about God. You know, and it's in that place that we start living. It's in that place that we actually start believing in the cause that's set before us. We start overcoming. We start seeing lives touched all around us. And what I want to say is that people that have a large capacity have a large vision. 
They constantly are looking beyond themselves and beyond their circumstances at what are the God-ordained opportunities that I can lay hold of. You know, people with a large capacity have a large expectation on the Spirit of God. So they fight that fight of faith, expecting that God is going to turn up every time and do what He says He's going to do by His Word. Yeah, people with a large capacity have almost this perseverance and this endurance and they sort of run after the miracles and they run after the presence of God in their life and when others try and fall they just keep going and they keep running and they almost get that tenacious um, spirit like Jacob and they lay hold of God and they almost wrestle with him until God's prepared to bless them and until something shifts off their life yeah I'm going to stop right there and interject with an illustration just to mix things up a little bit. I'm going to take a leaf out of Pastor Christian's book and do a bit of a visual. So can I please get three young, volunteering, strong men to join me up here, please? What's that, Drew? Was that you I heard saying you're going to help me? Where's Drew? Is Drew around? I'm throwing it out there. There he is, quietly sitting up the back. Jordan, come on. Come on. Jace, you're moving. I saw you move. That means you're ready. (laughs) Welcome. All right, all right, all right. So what I want to do, guys, you hold these cups for me, please. You hold that cup there. All right. Drew, I want to give you that bucket there. Okay. Now, what I want you to stand there. You stand there. You stand there. You're not one of them, all right? You stand there. Now, what I want to illustrate to you guys is something that's becoming very prevalent in church today, and that is for some reason, somewhere along the line of the journey as a church, we've stopped walking alongside people, and we've started to carry people. And you might be thinking, well, hang on, Justin, where are you going with this? Because as a church, surely we're meant to carry those that are weak and carry those that are a bit defenseless and help them along their way. But respectively, I want to say this morning we're not, and I want to show you why. So here we have Drew, who's a man after God's own heart. He's faithful in the house. He's built up godly disciplines. And so what God has been able to do through his obedience is give him a capacity to carry the Spirit of God in his life. And so this bucket here represents the Spirit of God. It's nice and filled up, if you can imagine, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And there he is, a man of faith, ready to change the world. And here we have two sinners, all right, two sinners. (laughs) Sitting outside the world, they're outside the church, boys, sorry. And what they're holding in their hands represents cups of emptiness and brokenness, all right? They're empty, they're broken, they haven't found the Lord yet. It's a bit sad, but that's okay. So then what happens is through just prayer and intervention and intercessors and connection, these boys come into the house of God and they meet Jesus, which is wonderful. And now Drew, come on over, Drew. Drew decides in his faithfulness and obedience to God that he's going to connect with these young men. He's welcoming them to the church. He's going to baptize him apparently in the Holy Spirit. And he's going to start walking with them. He's connected with them, guys. You're new, newbie Christians. I want to start walking with you. So, Drew, you stand here. Now, you take that cup in that hand. And I want you to put a, your hand on your shoulder like that. And you do the same on that side. Now, you walk out in front. And you guys just follow off to the side and start walking. So now what Drew's doing is he's walking with these young boys. And what this relationship reflects is prayer and connection, times in worship and fellowship. They're building relationships. He's supporting the guys. He's walking with the guys. And every now and then, you'll just put a bit of Holy Spirit in their, in their cups, mate. And then the other one as well. He's, he's, the Holy Spirit has been able to move through Drew to fill up these cups of emptiness and brokenness. So now all of a sudden what we're finding is these guys are starting to take responsibility for this walk. Have another walk, guys. Back that way. Follow Drew. They're journeying. They're maturing. They're growing. The Holy Spirit is being used by, is using Drew through Drew to fill up these guys' emptiness and brokenness. All right, stop there, boys. They're taking responsibility and they're growing. Then unfortunately what happens, somewhere along the way, 
these guys get a little bit disillusioned because now things are getting a little bit hard. Life's a bit gritty. We've got to start pressing in a little bit harder. Things aren't always great. And so they start to get a little bit disgruntled and a little bit disillusioned. They're like, well, hang on. When I came into the house of God, I was told that if I meet Jesus and accept him, things are going to be great. Things are going to be rosy. Life's going to be sweet, and I can just cruise through. And we've come out of this world of consumerism, and church is almost like this organization that's got this product, Jesus. If you try it, you'll love it. You'll be set free. Things will be awesome. Buy it. And so they bought the product, but now they're not so convinced in the product. And it's kind of like, well, you know what? I've tried the product, Jesus. He's not really working out for me what I thought. It's a different kind of life I'm now expected to live. It's a bit harder, so I might just put the product down, as with all the other products, and go on to something else. Thank you anyway, guys. And our natural reaction as a church is to go, well, don't go. Guys, the product's awesome. Please stay. We don't want you to think any less of the house of God. What do we have to do to keep you guys in church? All right, you know what, it's hard. You know what, maybe instead of you walking for the time being, we're going to carry you to make things a little bit easier. So if you guys can just come into the middle now. Come into the middle. Now, Drew, I need you to carry these boys. Do you reckon you can do that? All right, can you carry them? So I don't... Oh, so now he's, now he's carrying them. He's carrying them. All right, Drew, can you come back this way? All right, Drew, put him down, put him down, put him down. Maybe, maybe just have one on your back, because I know it's hard. All right, you get on, Jace, you get on. All right, now I'm going to have to spoil fast, because he's going to get tired. But what's the first thing you notice is happening? All of a sudden, these guys don't have to take responsibility for their journey more. They've stopped walking. Now they're just living their experience and relationship through Drew's journey. They're not growing. They're not maturing. What's worse is they're still carrying cups of emptiness and brokenness. Nothing's changing. Drew now, unfortunately, has got the weight and expectation of their responsibility on his life. But the problem is, now all of a sudden, space is at a premium on Drew's life because he's filling it up with people. So what's got to change? Something's got to give. Something's got to vacate so these guys can get on. And more times than not, guess what it is that we shift off our life? It's the Spirit of God because we want to carry these people. Now all of a sudden, Drew's capacity has gone from carrying a bucket of water to only being able to carry that because he's pretty weighed down with everyone else's problems. And the bad thing is, he's still going to have opportunity to connect with people, but now because he's taking responsibility for everyone else's journey rather than walking alongside him, when I come to you with my brokenness and ask for the Holy Spirit, if you could just, and he's done, and that's all he's got. There's nothing more left. He's dry and he's tired because God doesn't now have a capacity to move on his life to touch people that he encounters in church and in his circle of influence. Thank you, guys. You may sit down. The cup's back. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. And so, and so what happens? Well, eventually what happens is people start to buckle and break under the unfair expectation and burdens of carrying people rather than walking alongside people in connection and relationship. And what happens? They burn out or they fall out. And they fall out of relationship in church and they fall out of relationship with Jesus and they stop living for the cause. You see, if all we ever do is carry people, we're not giving God the room to get on top of us and enlarge us. Because you see, the Spirit of God on us is meant to enable us and empower us to connect people to Jesus and give us a freedom of movement in our life to be able to introduce those that are broken to the one who heals, those that are hopeless to the one that actually brings hope. So this little thimble represents diminished capacity, yeah? 
all of a sudden Drew's walking with diminished capacity in his life, holding all these people. The thing about diminished capacity is it only ever looks at the superficial, yeah? The thing about diminished capacity is that it is ruled by circumstances and your situations, and it never looks beyond the battle you may be in to break ground on the other side. If your diminished capacity is really happy just to live behind your limitations and what you see as familiar in your world. And the minute that someone walks into a church full of people that carry diminished capacity is that they judge before they even step over the threshold. You know, diminished capacity is all about feeding the flesh and not the spirit. It's about what we perceive to go on in church. It's about what we believe to be spiritual. It's about what we believe the Holy Spirit should be doing. And really, at the end of the day, if we are connecting people to God, if we are connecting those that need an answer to Jesus, he's the one that's then allowed to do the transformation. He's the one that starts to do the heavy lifting, and we are the ones that just encourage and walk alongside people. And so, I guess the logical question is, well, how do we increase our capacity? Justin, after that vivid explanation and visualization, I don't want to be carrying people around in my world. Well, the logical thing is, we quite simply increase or enlarge our capacity when we stretch. But the process of stretching only comes after we're obedient to God. So really a life of obedience is a key to living a life full of capacity. But now the deal is when God says go, you go. When God says stay, well, you stay. But he doesn't want obedience on what you see or on your terms. He wants obedience on his terms and what his word declares to us, yeah? So 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For where I am weak, there you are strong. You see, God knows our frame. He knows that there's only so much we can do in our strength. But he desires to see his church built up in, an, in a community, he loves the fact that his power can be out, outworked and displayed in relationship. And why? Because God is a relational God. Oh, I've just turned up another whole level there. Okay, no worries. You know, God delights in reaching the lost, in touching and connecting with people through people who are prepared to surrender themselves to God and say, God, here's my life, not in my strength, but in yours, use me. Yeah? And so what I want to do is I want to cast our attention on Moses this morning because Moses really models a life of obedience, be it under times of duress and whinging and whining, he ultimately reflects a heart that is prepared to be obedient to God. And so as he's obedient and he steps out, God stretches him. And as he's stretched, he can step out again in obedience and God stretches him some more. And that same model, I think, can be applied to your life and mine as we journey with God. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. And it says that during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. You see, here is a cause, and it's probably one of the most significant causes that goes up before the face of God, other than the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And it's in that decision he makes out of concern for his children 
that we know history has changed forever. But the point I want to make is that before God has even called unto Moses, Moses, you're the man for the job I'm going to send you, he's already decided on what he's going to do. He's drawn up the blueprint. He's got the plan of attack. He knows the purpose. All he's looking for is somebody that will be obedient to him. And you and I have got to understand that God is not waiting for you and I to qualify him for the task at hand because he's already got the goods. He already knows what he's going to do. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. All he's looking for is someone that will say, God, I'm ready. Which way do you want to send me? He's not like one of those kids, you know, the Join the Dots books. He's not waiting for us to help him join the dots before he realizes what it is and what he's supposed to do. He's just saying, man, I know what I need from you. Please just go. And so what we see is now God calls Moses to this burning bush and he's basically outlining the cause for Moses. And in Exodus 3.10 it says something that's profound and funny and, and very interesting. He says this to Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Full stop. No explanation, no reasoning, no forewarning. It's just... Moses going, and you've got to picture the, the hilarity in this is that here's Moses, something completely out of the ordinary is happening in his life. There's this bush on fire, it's not burning. God Almighty speaking to him about this cause that's come up before him, how he's going to go to Egypt, he's going to rescue his people, he's going to reach in with his right hand and draw these people out, and all of heaven's going to be on God's side, and he's going to push back Pharaoh. And Moses is probably on this roller coaster of emotion thinking, Go, God, come on, it's going to be good, and you're going to do all this stuff, and yeah, come on. And then almost in the same breath, God says, I'm going to deliver them out of Egypt because I see how the Egyptians are pressing them. Now you go. And it's kind of like a catch-up moment. And Moses has got to get off the roller coaster and go, oh, what? Hang on, what did you just say? Yeah, stop. Where am I going? What are you doing? Why are you sending me? And it's kind of like God saying, stop staring at the bush. Egypt's over there. Turn around and it's time to go. And here you've got to understand because what's happening is Moses has come out of Egypt. He's in the desert. He spent years and years and years walking around the same territory, staring at the same sheep, swatting the same flies, doing the same thing day in, day out, day in, day out, day after day after day until one day God turns up and puts a cause at his feet and he says, Moses, you're the man. You're it. I've chosen you. I want you to go. You need to start going. I've created you for something bigger than what you are right now. Get up and go. And you've got to understand that Moses, years and years and years of doing the very little, of having the same expectation, the same routine, the same predictability, the same mediocrity, has actually to some point diminished his capacity while he's, in, while he's out in the desert because all he's ever seen is the pastures of his sheep. But now all of a sudden, he's staring at a bush that's on fire. Now all of a sudden... He's got God's attention. And now all of a sudden, God is coming and said, Moses, you're the man I want to use. And I want to tell you this morning, church, that when you get God's attention on you, out of your ordinary, there will be a process of coming where you're going to have to be stretched and you're going to have to be enlarged to do what God's asked you to do. Amen? So, you see, the minute... Moses hears the words go. You can almost imagine he just projects forward to the reality of what God's asking him to do. And as he feels that weight of expectation and that weight of responsibility that's actually coming on his shoulders, it's like that place where he's standing of diminished capacity sort of runs into that place where he's going to need vastness and huge amounts of capacity to do what God's asked him to do. And as the two collide, it's almost like that natural reaction. Moses goes, well, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God, God, I don't know. I don't know if I can be used for this, man. This is kind of a bit tough. This is a kind of bit intense. You must, I'm sure you haven't thought this through properly. It's not me. 
choose somebody else. And almost by default, he begins to pick apart Pharaoh's plan. God, what if you send me to Pharaoh and he just doesn't let him go? What if you send me to your people and they don't believe you sent me? I'm not eloquent or affluent in speech. What am I supposed to say, God? This isn't me. It's not right. Now, hand on heart, how many of us at one stage or another in our life has had those conversations with God? It may not necessarily be about delivering a nation, but it's, God, I can't say that to that person. What are they going to think? I'm going to look like an idiot. Or, God, you want me to bring this into the house, but I don't know if I'm going to come out at the end of the week. Or, God, we all know that person that comes to church and she's kind of dirty and she's got problems and she's got baggage, but now you want me to go pick her up and bring her to church or look after her kids every now and then? God, I don't think I can do that. That's not me, God. I can't do that. But as I said at the beginning of this message, the cause that we live for is almost always bigger than who we are. You know, the cause that was set before Moses was definitely bigger than who he was. But God chose Moses because underneath all that self-doubt, underneath all that complaining, he saw a man that was ultimately prepared to be obedient to God. And so while Moses is desperately trying to convince God, man, I'm not the one for the task, God just comes out with a money shot and lays it thick on Moses. So in Exodus 3.13, it says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is who you are to say, the Israelites, I am, has sent you. And can I tell you, church, this morning, if there's anything to take away from what I'm saying, is that in that process of enlarging and being stretched, we've got to understand, well, who is doing the stretching? Who is giving us the capacity? To whom are we being obedient? You see, because God's response to Moses is so significant, because tied up in that name, I am who I am, the great I am, God is saying, Moses, the reason I don't need to give you an explanation, the reason I'm not going to justify or pacify why I want your obedience is because I'm not an earthly king. I'm no Pharaoh. I'm no earthly commander. I'm the Lord. I'm God. I am who I am, the great I am. I have all authority and all power, and I'm going before you to set your people free. You know, he's saying it's not about your limitations or your capacities. I'm the God who sits above every principality or power. I far exceed what you can do. So if I ask you to go, Moses, you better get up and go because no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And ask me, answer me this, Moses, if I'm for you, who is going to be against you? Church, all you need is the great I am. You can rest all your hope and your dreams and your ability in the name of Jesus, in his strength, in his power. And as you begin to just simply go, God will enlarge your capacity and make you ready for the cause which is at hand. Amen? That's awesome. All right. Now it says here in Isaiah 54, 2, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You see, because if God had sent Moses as a man... It kind of would have you know, gone like this, Moses, champ, buddy, I really need you to get to Egypt. You surely still have some street cred with Pharaoh. I mean, you practically grew up in his house. You're practically a son. I don't really think he's going to kill you. It's probably a bit dramatic. Can you just head over there, have a chat to him, have a bit of a negotiation, see what you can come up with? Who knows Moses would be a dead man? 
who knows that the cause was bigger than Moses, that if he had gone to Egypt in his own strength and ability, he wouldn't even get into the courts of the Pharaoh before he was killed. But here's God saying, Moses, look, here's the miracles, here's the signs, here's the wonders, complement of the great I am, Inc. Incorporated. All you've got to do is just go, because I've seen my people, I've seen the cause come up, I've decided I'm going to rescue them, I've got the plan of attack, man, you just go. Now, Isn't that the most amazing news you've ever heard? It takes a weight off our shoulders as believers because God in his authority and power has declared that he wants us to be a big people. He says to us in his word that I will give you the words to speak. I will give you doors of opportunity. I will open your eyes to see. I will bring in provision. I will bring in that encounter. I will show you where to go, but you just need to go. And as you start walking... I'll start stretching. And in those moments that you're being stretched and you're a little bit out of your depth, if you will take me up on my word and choose my way over your way every time, then I will enlarge your capacity. So now you're facing problems in your world that are giants. You got the goods. You're not just carrying little water pistols around anymore. You're packing heat. And I should know. I'm from South Africa. I was practically born into this world with two AK-47s strapped to my side. You know, now you guys are equipped to stare your circumstances in the face and say, you may come against me in the sword, the spear, and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty because now you're operating on another level. Now you guys have capacity, yeah? You getting it? You understanding it? Good, good, good. So, as the children... You see, a capacity, let me say this before I move on. Capacity has the default, or by default, will move you from a small place to a large place. Capacity will take you from where you are now and bring you into a wider space where God can work miracles in your life. And I want you to watch this. Moses started experiencing the presence of God at the burning bush. God moved him into a large place of experiencing him face-to-face in his glory on top of a mountain. Moses started in a small place of showing Pharaoh a hand healed of leprosy. God took him to the edge of the Red Sea where he ushered in one of the most powerful movements of God ever and the Israelites saw the sea separate. Yep. God can work wonders in your world. And when he looked upon Moses right back at the burning bush, he saw a man that was going to be faithful to deliver his people. He saw a man that would faithfully shepherd his people to the edge of the promised land. He saw a man in whom he could be faithful to work his signs, his miracles, and his wonders. But he needed to understand Moses had to go through a process of having his capacity enlarged to accommodate the destiny God had called on his life. Yeah. And so as the children are led out of Israel, they go through the Red, uh, led out of Egypt, they go through the Red Sea and onwards towards the promised land, there's this amazing song that rises up in the heart of Moses and Miriam. And in the song, Moses declares this in Exodus 15, 2, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. In verse 11, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? In verse 17 to 18, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. But now a few chapters previous, I want to remind you of the same man that is standing here singing the praises of God. In Exodus 3.11, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? 
you know, in Exodus 4.1, Moses, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And they say, you didn't appear to me. You know, in Exodus 4.10, Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. In Exodus 4.13, Moses said, pardon your servant. Lord, please send someone else. <laughs> Diminished capacity, enlarged capacity, yeah? Church, this morning I want to tell you that God loves you, that he wants to walk with you, that he wants to walk with you close by his side, that the journey he's called us to, he's not called us to to break us, he's called us here to enlarge us. But I want to say to you this morning is that we, we, we really want to be a church that sees people changed and transformed and set free if we want to see a church that when people walk in, their impossible situations are made possible, then we need to enlarge our capacity. So you've got to understand that if you forego the process of walking in obedience to God and being stretched, and out of that place of stretching, you walk into obedience again and you stretch some more. If you forego that process, when the time comes for God to pour out His Spirit on you, the weight and responsibility of His glory for what He's called you to, and you haven't gone through the journey, you begin to crack you begin to break and you begin to buckle under that pressure. In Matthew 9, 17, it says, Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. And I want to tell you this morning, God wants to do a new thing in you today. Lozzie, can I get you and the team to, to head up? And so just in closing... I want us to think about this for a minute. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You know, God said to Moses, go. God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant is now dead, therefore you arise and go. Jesus said to his disciples, my work here is finished, now I want you to get up and go into the world making all disciples. All of these people stepped into their purpose. All of these people took hold of their destiny. All of these people had their capacities enlarged as they were prepared to be obedient to the call of God on them, and they simply stood up and they started walking. Today is the day that God wants to enlarge your capacity to stand up and fight for the cause that he set for our church, amen? Because there is a harvest field that is ready in C3 Noosa, there's a harvest field that's ready in the surrounding suburbs, and God is calling for workers to the harvest fields. And you may not feel right now that you have the capacity to do what God is calling you to, and it may scare you. You may be a bit fearful of it, but I'm telling you, if you will just be obedient to get up and start walking, understanding that God's got the goods, He's got the plan, He knows what He's doing, He is the great I Am, and in Him He can do all things for you, in you, and through you, He will begin to enlarge your place. Just go. Just walk. That's all He's asking. Why don't we stand up this morning, guys? You know, God is in this place. And I just really felt, as I was preparing that message over the last couple of days, that people are coming into the house of God more than ever frustrated and disconnected and disillusioned, living a life of diminished capacity, trying to figure things out, trying to do things, trying to do the best they can with what they've got 
in their own ability and going round and round in circles and coming up against the same walls and the same situations and the same circumstances day in, day out. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And so I just want to give opportunity this morning as we come to a close to invite anyone out to the front that's, that's particularly feeling that frustration and that angst. God, I need breakthrough. I need release. I need an opportunity just to start again living a life of obedience to you, just starting again, starting my journey that I can step out once more and you'll start to lead me the way I need to go. God, I don't want to miss what you have for me. And when you look at me, I know that you see more than what I see. And I know that you can do more than I can do. If that's you this morning, can you just come out? I'd love to pray with you. I'd love just to lay hands on you and bless you. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Just come up. Just, why don't we just close our eyes and just spend some time focusing on him. I really feel there's others this morning that are just frustrated that just want to release. They say, God, I want to come into the house and encounter you and be released this morning into what you have for me. I'm tired of not being noticed. I'm tired of everyone overlooking me. I'm tired of feeling like I don't exist in my world. God, I want you to use me. I want you to do something different in my life. If that's you this morning, can I please say, why don't you come down this morning? Now, the presence of God is here. Thank you. Father, we love you this morning. God, I thank you that you are a gracious God. You are full of mercy, full of hope. You said in your word, you've come to give us life and life abundantly. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and rest on your people. Every heart, every ability, every thought. God, I pray you would invade their space right now. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.com dot org.